Hey folks, thank you for tuning in to this episode and thank you for your support on past episodes this month. Um, like I said, uh, the theme for the month, um, the month's episode is Pride. And so I'm going to be exploring things about uh, black queer identity with folks. And um, I have another guest with me, um, a black queer filmmaker um, who... I have worked with and know and um yeah we're gonna we're just gonna have a conversation about queer representation in media um but before we get into that make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow it on Spotify and make sure to share the episodes on your various social medias and make sure to reach out to me on your social medias all right Fred do you want to introduce yourself all right um I'm Fred I am a queer black director from Alabama, and right now I am finishing my final semester at uh, Alabama University, and I will hopefully get accepted to my um, grad school yes. choice, which is in Brooklyn. Ooh, so, say more. Um, What's what is your what what is your decision for going to grad school? My I, decision. Okay, is so this a new decision? choices like uh, right now I'm thinking either Brooklyn um, College which is uh, Fierstein Cinema or there's one in, there's one called Stony Brook um, also yeah. called actually I, have, I have quite a few it just depends on like I'm trying to narrow down what I want to actually focus on Yeah. because right now I really am into television writing and producing but also like I would not mind making films and producing so, yeah. Yeah. or just screenwriting so I'm just trying to, right now, it's the time for me to narrow it down before I actually finally graduate in and, December. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's soon. Um, do, do you think more, do you think you're interested in more filmmaking or producing, like, as far as the role? I, personally, for me, I love, I love writing more than anything mm-hmm. i love telling a good story my thing is i love telling a story more than anything because i know that there's a lot of people who don't get who not don't have the opportunity to like tell stories or they just don't want to tell stories or whatever their like thing is and for me whenever i get a good story in my head i'm just like okay i want to do this so, like right now my grad school application story is about a polyamorous interracial relationship in Alabama. <laughs> so, that sounds messy as fuck. It's, it's going to be it's going to be something. And for me as a person that is queer, I want to tell different queer stories. I don't want to tell just like strictly, oh, this is a gay story. This is a lesbian story. This is a trans. This is for trans. Nah, I want everything I can pile on into the story yeah. that makes it make sense. And I think because I think everybody, all these other sexualities and uh, gender identities need representation. And yeah. that's my, for me, that's that's me, what makes me want to create is I want to get, I want to make sure like once I'm like stable enough, I want to make sure everybody else gets to be heard. Yeah. So, um, so let, yeah, let's talk about your, your past projects. You gave me my first uh, editing and uh, cinematography job. Um, 
or no director of the photography job and that was on a project called nonfiction. It was a process for sure, but I did enjoy working on it. Um and I enjoyed having to edit it and <laughs> the very like it was it was it actually felt it felt like a real job and like I go back and watch it and I'm like wow like this was this was such a good project and we made this at like our small ass school in Alabama. And it was, even though it's not, you know, like a big budget, like, t like web series or TV thing, it's still like something we made. Um, and it looks good, <laughs> I think. So yeah, like, let's talk about some of your, like your projects. So nonfiction okay. was one. So starting with nonfiction, nonfiction, it came out of a time where I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And when I rewatched, because I re actually rewatched this with um, my the other director, Anna, mm -hmm. and also with JD. Yeah. And we rewatched like, re it like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and I was like, I was just revisiting like what it was, like what it was to feel like actually creating your own project and like creating something that's queer. Because like when... I didn't, the one reason why I created the project was one, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll be your director and I guess I can write something. Yeah. And it was, the other reason was because I wanted to make something queer. So, I mean, the one thing about me as a director is like most people, I think I've had three, almost four projects, which we'll get into. <laughs> uh, and most people don't perceive me as a black director. Like, they don't think I create black art. Hmm. They just, I create uh, humanist art. Like, I want, everything I create has, like, everything, the themes that I create are all universal. So, when I created nonfiction, I was like, I wanted to create something that was universal, in which you're, I mean, you're going to meet queer people all over the world. No matter where you go, you're going to be, like, you're, you're going to meet somebody that's probably queer. So, and that's what's the most important thing to me to create, was something that was universal, and to just touch on things that were really close to home also. So I wanted to have like something that's universal, but also like dive into like, what are people like in my life and what people are like around me. Mm -hmm. So it was a time. It was really like creating your first project is always like nerve wracking, but also like I surrounded myself with a good bunch of people that want to create and help me and like help me grow. So yeah. I think, and also my first film festival was a Atlanta Black Pride. So, and I yeah. think that's amazing. So yeah, yeah, and it was it was shown there. Did yes. you go? You went? I had a move. No, that was my move-in weekend. Oh, okay. So I could not go. But it did but, make it into. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Film festivals, which I was like, okay, wow, this is great. Yeah. And then after, so then after I did nonfiction, I did Animated Mind, uh, which is, was also, it was an I ha Okay, so I haven't seen this one yet, um, and, and I apologize for that. I feel like I should have watched it um, by now, but I haven't seen this yet. Could you give, like, well, could you give, like, a summary for also, like, nonfiction and Animated Mind just for folks who might have, who might not have seen it yet? Okay, so the summary for nonfiction is like, um, it takes place over a summer where um, 
queer roommates me uh, queer roommates are going through their own struggles and I guess that's like that's part of the story their yeah. queer roommates their struggles and also like you have this guy who is having problems relationship problems with his girlfriend because he's a drag queen uh, you also have other issues with people struggle with sexuality yeah. and identity yeah and also like housing discrimination it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot up in there. There's a lot that goes on in it. And that's why I, like, I realized, I was like, I re- like I was thinking about this earlier before um, we started, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of topics up in, the, in seven episodes. I just wanted to touch on everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, really and then Animated Mind is... Uh, animated Mind was based off of like me... During the process of nonfiction, I wanted to, I, I, the one thing I wanted to do with Animated Mind, and I was like, I think my focus was like, if this is the last project I get to say, what do I want to say? And I wanted to tell the story of a guy who is uh, going through his struggles, which sounds like nonfiction. Uh, There's this guy who is dealing with insomnia, who drinks just to feel alive. Um, he's abandoned his fi- uh, friends and family because he doesn't want them to um, deal with him. Like he wants, he wants to deal with his own internal mess without bothering other people. But in in return, like it does bother them because they want to be there to help him. So like it's just basically documenting these three days of this. You're just getting inside this guy's mind and like understanding why he is the way he is. Like you're seeing his. Like you're seeing dreams of like him that tell the story of like what he's struggling with, hmm. essentially. So yeah, this one sounds really cool because it sounds like it gets a little like weird. It is. <laughs> it was a okay. We filmed this like um, nonfiction. Like I think this, my first few project. Well, every project I've done so far, except one, uh, I filmed it literally in three days. Yeah. We, I think, okay, I give my cast, my crew props because we did like 10, 13 hour days. Oh my God. We, like we had breaks, but like it was wow, especially for the nonfiction was our first time. We, I think that's the first time we all had like acting jobs. For, like that's the first time we actually got a chance to show what we can do, what we learned. Mm-hmm. And for Animated Mind, it was the first time I feel like I I knew what I wanted to do. I think for nonfiction, I was like, I wish I just want to create something. So I just want something yeah, to be out and there. Yeah, without when um, you knew the direction you wanted to go in and the story you wanted to tell. Yeah, I. I but um, I created my capstone project this past uh, semester, which I got an A, which I was really happy for. Yeah. Um, and my capstone project was about um, uh, was also queer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Blue. Um, Blue. It, yeah, it's called Blue. Okay. I yeah, I wanted to. I was like, cause that was the overall mood tone of the uh, story. Um, it's called Blue because um, so it's about this um, woman and she goes to bars in search of companionship at night. Um. So she, but along the way, she meets this one woman at a bar, um, who is also search in search of something else, not companionship. She's in search of a home for the uh, for the night, and with 
also there's this guy that's in love with um, the main character. So, but he also has sex with the other girl. So <laughs> this is messy. So over one, so over the course of one night, they they find out this, all this information. So <laughs> it it's also messy because I wanted to create like I also wanted like for the blue, I want to create a bisexual project. I was like, I want all my characters to be bi. <laughs> like you know what? Where's the bi representation in media? Yeah, we'll get to. And so I was like, yeah, I definitely want my characters to be bi. So yeah, that's what happened. And my fourth project is the one I'm currently, I started working on in the spring, but coronavirus yeah. uh, started. <laughs> um, it is this documentary about, um, called Occupying Space. Uh, so Occupying Space is about, um, we're going, me and my film partners, I have three of them, and we're going into all these different um bars and we're going to churches and we want to just know what queer like uh how people who identify as queer um occupy space in birmingham mm. like you know because like most like Birmingham, like when you're living in the bible bill it's very much like most people grew up um in a church they mm. most likely grew up in a church and i'm wondering and so the questions we're asking is like how does that influence like the places you go now? Like, like, what does that influence you now? Like, do you still go to church? Cause like, there's still people that I know that are queer and they still go to church and they still love um, Jesus. But you also have people who are identified as atheists. So it's like, what are you like at Saturday night at 12 a.m. and what are you like Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? <laughs> so that's, that's generally the questions I'm asking right now. So yeah. And those are my projects. Yeah, and so I guess with all of those projects, I have a few questions. What kind of drives you to keep have like make keep what drives you to keep going on going through with the projects? Like even though like li- with limited resources and things. Oh, yeah, um, definitely not give me no budget. I'm never yeah, gonna, like, I, because, because I've been seeing, I guess I've been seeing today when I was, like, on my hard drive, like, all I was looking at old video projects I did that were, like, really funny and goofy, and I was like, yeah, like, this is definitely, filmmaking is definitely something that I wanted to do, um, and editing was a passion of mine as well, and as soon as I came, moved, um, all of that stuff, like, went away, and it's because I feel like I don't have the resources to, like, get back into it. So, yeah, what drives you to find the resources and and do the project? I would say, okay, so when I did nonfiction, I really didn't have a budget. When I did Animated Mind, we had somewhat of a budget. Uh... Doing Blue, I actually work, okay, for me, when I did Blue, I worked at a theater, uh, an improv theater with Anna. Uh, so And I made all, like, I made over $2,000 in 10 weeks. And I worked my ass off just to create Blue. Mm. And that's the first time I was like, that's the first time I worked my ass off just to create a project. And that made me realize that, like, you know what, you want to do this for real. Like, this is not yeah. just, like... I mean, I've been made well. Basically, film film has been my major for two years, but like it wasn't that moment of me like hustling 
working, staying up and like going, like staying out, working until 2 a.m., going, going to class, getting six hours of sleep, going to class at 8 a.m. and just being like, this is what I want. I'm getting what I want. And it's because like, I see the lack of people, like even the people I go to class with in my class, I mean, I go to class. Well, my uh, first semester when I when I did my capstone project, it was mostly people were mostly straight, and I was like, they're not gonna create what I want to create. They're not gonna. They're not thinking about oh, what is uh, someone um, who is bisexual, asexual? What are they thinking? What are their mindsets? And when I got to this past semester before coronavirus, and I was like, my whole film group is queer except this one guy who's going to NYU mm. we, we we think we you know what somewhat we just think you know we're like damn you left out but everybody else was queer <laughs> <laughs> I was like this sounds like every project I've done there has to be that one straight white man in my uh, my project yeah. um, so yeah. um I was just like this is what I want to create like I don't want to, like, I don't create just to put something out there in the universe. I create because I know somebody else wants to be seen. This isn't, I mean, when I was a little kid, I didn't always see myself represented in media. I mean, when you're watching, when you think of, like, Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, and, like, I mean, granted, I watch MTV and Adult Swim and all those other, I watch all the adult channel. <laughs> 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 so I mean, but I still didn't see myself. I mean, I didn't see a black kid who's like five foot one. Well, actually, I was like three foot five, but that's another story. Mm. <laughs> so I didn't see myself, and I think it's important. That's why that that's why I have this producer mindset. Also, is because I want to make sure other people get to see themselves. Like one of my good friends, he's from Saudi Arabia, and. I don't, like, I'm not seeing his story here. Also, like, what? Is, how does somebody who's from Saudi Arabia, who's a public health student, how did, like, their lives that's within America, like, how they, like, he came from Saudi Arabia to study here, to go back and take what everything he's learned here and all his practices here to go back to his country to help them. So I'm not seeing that in media. Hmm. Like, I mean, currently I'm watching Rami, which is about, which I love Rami. It's yeah. such a great show. Um, yeah. It's about this Muslim guy, this guy, uh, this Muslim man, and him struggling with, um, like, his um, religion. You know, he talks about sexuality, like, all these topics. I'm like, I've never seen, it, like, first-generation Muslim story being yeah. told yeah. in America. And my thing is, I think we forget that we're such a melting pot here. And I think people, I think people want to forget that America is a melting pot. America has always been a melting pot. Mm -hmm. We have always been a melting pot, and like, there's so many stories that we're not hearing, and that no one wants to, like, no one's telling. And I feel like now, because due to the Black um, Lives Matters protests, now Hollywood is like, okay, let's invite in more Black people, <laughs> if they were not already there. Y'all just now want to tell the story because it benefits y'all. Yeah. They were all 
We all, look, that's what I was gonna mention that later. Well, no, Miss. No, because it's like, and those are like those stories where they're trying to like, like I don't know when they're trying to portray a black story, like Green Book, for oh, instance. Oh, sure. It's not, yeah, it's not gonna be good, and it's like, yeah, you're you're kind of like saying, you know, you can be the one, you yourself can be the one to create, like, write these stories that people aren't seeing and that write these stories that Hollywood isn't, like, producing. Yeah. Yes. Because, like, me, uh, me and my um, good friend Chris, <laughs> we were talking about uh, the other day, it's like, I grew up in Bayou Battery, Alabama. Like, that's mm. a whole, and that's a melting pot in itself because I went to school with people who are Vietnamese, Chinese, Lao, white, black, you know, all over the place. But he went to, all the schools he went to were historically black schools where it was a mostly black um, population. So for me, like from the get-go, from the jump, I've always had this mindset to create things for the other people. Mm. But from uh, his mindset is always creating black art because he's always been surrounded by... So for me, that's why I've always, like, that's the interesting thing about me writing in Birmingham is like, I'm like... Right now, I'm asking all my friends who have went school went to schools here, and like in a city, so I can understand like, hmm, what would my characters be like if they went to a historically black school, mostly black school, mm. and also have went to school due to gerrymandering? Like, I didn't have to go to school due to gerrymandering. Mm. Like, I mean, we were, I mean, people like black, white, like we all, everybody just hung out. Mm-hmm. Unless they were like a drama kid, because like I, you know, drama kids only hung out with themselves, and I was the only black drama kid, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just so in creating the kind of stories that you want to tell, it's just basically just surrounding, like find finding a way to do it, and it sounds like you like surrounding yourselves yourself around friends who were like passionate about your projects and I would say it's because they were like I mean I started off as a theater major surrounded myself with actors yeah. uh, so it was like it was also like a matter of like okay y'all not cast I'm not cast let's do something yeah be, yeah that's it yeah I didn't think about that yeah yeah it's the thing about like and also it's like the thing about when you go to certain schools like you're not uh, also like you're going to school in Alabama, a certain school, especially if it's a predominantly white school. They're not gonna always, they're gonna, they're not gonna always do a black show. Yeah. They're not gonna always do a show that showcases black people in a correct light. You yeah. know, it's always like most shows that they have are like they're gonna maybe do hairspray, they're gonna do hair, <laughs> and that's it. Like all these other shows that they do have are were predominantly produced as white shows. And so they always had a side black character. So it's like when I finally got the opportunity to work with them, I was like, okay, I just want y'all to just, I want to work with y'all because like, I know y'all can act. And first, so that's number one, but also I know that y'all want to tell what stories y'all want to tell eventually. And so that's the one thing about like, that's 
like again, I said that's another story. We can have that talk conversation also about like uh, colleges producing art because you know so many well, departments well, are producing just strictly white art, well, and when you you also have a black people in your departments, you're not always producing what they want to produce, like what they want to work on, like. Some people like want to work on Tyler Perry type material. Some people want to work on more art house material yeah. for black people. Like, and that can be a majority. yeah, that can be a different episode because I feel <laughs> like yeah, I feel like that would be a very eye opening and in depth episode. But let's um, so let's talk about like <laughs> let's talk about kind of what we wanted to do this episode on and that was uh queer representation in media and this was a topic that you brought to me and so I'm just gonna pass it to you like what made you think about this topic and what are some I guess shows and films and other media that you have that have been inspiring to you that you've been seeing yeah Okay, so what brought this to my attention? First of all, Netflix said something on Twitter um, about, like, your show. I think it was, like, something about their shows. Uh, I think someone said something negative about queer um, queer shows, like, why they have queer shows on Netflix, blah, blah, they're not needed. And then Netflix said, like, everybody needs representation. And I was like, and for me personally, when I, when I, started, I heard that, I was like, uh, what? <laughs> so it's like, what? I was... I was like, okay, so you know what what I did was I scrolled on Netflix. I typed in LGBTQ+. And I looked, and I was like, okay, Netflix, okay, out of all the streaming, um, out of all the streaming services, Netflix and Amazon Prime do have the most. I, I give them props because Stars only has, like 17 projects and this is for pride month i'm like y'all have 17 projects in the one almost nearly 100 years of cinema y'all have 17 <laughs> queer projects that's what y'all got that's disappointing um so yeah i like and then i was like hulu has like this and i was like okay look this is ridiculous wow. and so i was like this is a good episode this is a good topic to talk about because for me like like i said earlier People don't get to see themselves and represent unless you're a gay white man. Yes, you're always gonna be represented. Like, good for you. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy for you, but you're not gonna be fully represented. Represented. Like, there's only certain like there's only certain episodes or like I think in the beginning of queer media, there's only like you only saw like back in the '80s, you only saw gay characters in like one episode. Yeah, and they were usually like. Either like, had AIDS or were like sick in some way. Um, yeah. Exactly. And like, I mean, the Golden Girls was progressive at its time, but they only had like, I mean, they had like, there was a full gay man as a character the first episode, but where did he go? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like, where did he go? And all, it wasn't until that um, this past decade that we finally saw Laverne Cox as like, oh, okay, somebody who is, mm, well, somebody that is a trans, someone that's trans finally has a leading, well, has a supporting role 
on a network television show. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's about time. So, but I mean, beginning in the nineties, you really, you had, um, Will and Grace, but you know, that Will and Grace is not, not for me. So I was like, yeah, that's I, haven't, I'm that. I haven't <laughs> been able to watch it. Um, so I think, well, for one week, like I was watching something and like, I was watching, uh, there was this, uh, show called, um, my so-called life that had a um, yeah. uh, queer um, guy, but it also got canceled in its first season. So, you know, mm. um, I think also the first thing I think I saw was like the real world. And like mm. there was this guy in like the 1990, there was a 1994 season, I think it was San Francisco. And he was really like, um, he had AIDS and... Also, like Bill Clinton, like he met Bill Clinton, they actually had to talk, uh, like talk to him. Like when his episode, like when the episodes of um the season finally ended, he died literally hours after the last episodes of AIDS. And so, like for me, I, I mean, I've always watched MTV, I watched HBO, Showtime, I watched all of that as a kid. So I've always been, I always knew that queer people exist. Hmm. It was the fact of like I've never seen myself as a queer person, and also like you, like you were talking about, like in in Living Color, they like living in Living Color, Mad TV, Saturday Night Live, and most of the shows from the nineties, they were making fun of gay culture. They were it was not like being they were not being progressive about gay culture. They were like just being funny. It was like it was just comedic material. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you get to, like, the late 90s and you think about, like, um, they, uh, there was this, okay, there was this show, well, there's this movie, oh, my God, it was about that, um, can't think of it right now, but I'll think of it later. I think right by the late 90s, um, when you have The Edge of 17, uh, you have all these other movies that got more... <coughs> They talk, it was more, they were telling stories about um, gay characters, but like, or queer characters, but it was always just sad. Mm-hmm. It was always about like, uh, it was like, it was nothing that was like, oh, queer people having a normal, happy life. I mean, unless you saw like Will and Grace, but like I said, <laughs> ain't funny. Um, but it was always like, I mean, I think in the first like progressive movies about like, Movies that were like about queer characters are always like, yeah, this would happen to a queer character. Like he got murdered by a bunch of people, or like this something bad happened to this guy uh, queer character. It was it was nothing that was like good. Mm. Like you cannot be good. Like nothing good could happen to you as a queer person. And I think that's up until probably like this past this past decade. Nothing good happened to queer characters. They always got like hurt. They always got murdered. Like they could not last in like a scary movie. It's like being like it. It was like it's even worse if you're black and queer. So I guess that's why they never had black queer characters because <laughs> like oh you if you're in a scary movie you're definitely not lasting till the end. Yeah. You're um. black and gay, so <laughs> that's not it. Yeah. Uh. I think the first like for me, I think the first. Film. I mean, the first film I think I watched was Brobat Mountain. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that was like, oh, okay. Well, they. I mean, they didn't get a happy ending, but at least I get got to saw like progression in their relationship and like. Yeah. 
And I remember, like, watching that movie in secret because I knew that it was a gay movie. And I knew that I shouldn't, like, I was like, oh, I shouldn't watch this. Um, But, like, I was in this phase of, like, just wanting to, like, watch movies that I have seen, like, that I saw. Got, it was, like, an award. Yeah, it got, like, an, it got Oscars and a few Oscars. It was an Oscar-nominated movie. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, I want to watch these kind of movies. And so, um, yeah, I, I, re- I watched it in secret, and I was, like, really, like, just invested and and sad and yeah i mean it, it's a it's a good movie um but again just white gay men <laughs> i mean i love some i love some jay gyllenhaal and Me too. i love Heath ledger but like oh my you God, know yes. yeah but um it that was that was like the first big and i'm so like i didn't like the second big um big gay movie but also i didn't like it was a good movie, but also because at that time nobody was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go see me a gay movie," yeah. so it didn't make it yeah. at the box office. So that that's the thing. And yeah. I think what was the next, like there's another film. So I I think I think one of my favorite films, like jumping into like the um this past decade. I mean, this past decade we have seen a lot of good gay films, and I feel like a lot more people have been represented. And I'm just just speaking on like um, films that are made in the USA. Um, I would say I watched. I actually watched um, "Call Me by Your Name" before Moonlight. I finally watched Moonlight like three months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would look. I have been putting Moonlight uh, Moonlight off my list for so long. Why so? Because like, I, I had like it's like because like when I finally saw it, like oh that's a gay black movie. Yeah. Like, I don't. I was like, no, nah, I can't watch Moonlight because, like, I've already had, like, my preconceived notions, like, oh, this probably might not be that good. Like, mm-hmm. I, you already knew that it won, like, Best Picture, but, like, I was like, they just probably gave it to um, gave it to them just to give it to them. Mm-hmm. I've already had my preconceived notions, like, oh, because, like, when I think about, like, and then I realized that, oh, it's made by a black director, and then I was like, oh, okay. Because so, you were thinking so, it was made by, like, white a white director yes oh wow it usually because usually i mean it is very unless it's like unless it's like spike lee unless spike lee the upper the size i'm gonna make a queer film or (laughs) well john singleton before he died uh who else lee daniel uh tyler perry look unless it's one like when you think of black directors, that's like the f- top four people you can think of yeah. in your head. Yeah. And then, well, now you think of like Ava and all these other uh, women. But like, when most people think of black directors, they're like Tyler Perry, Spike Lee, John Singleton, you know, the regulars. And they're not really thinking about like, so when I saw this man came, this man who went to FSU, mm. created an Oscar winning film, I was like, oh, you you from Florida. Oh, you from Miami. Okay. <laughs> you create an Oscar winning film. Go. I was like, go ahead. And then I finally watched it. And I, for the first time as a filmmaker, saw somebody that I was like, damn, this is what I want to create. Yeah. This is what I am inspired by, like, the musicality of the piece, like, the filmmaking of it, the acting, I was like, this is what I like. 
And I finally, for me, I finally saw a filmmaker who was making something that I loved. And I was like, okay. Then I, re- then I realized he was not queer. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Good enough. Yeah, that... I, he, I, I was like, he was almost there. But then I, then he, yeah. uh, then I realized who his uh, girlfriend was. And then I was like, oh, Lulu Wong? Gone. I was like, perfect couple. Love them. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, I, I finally saw something... Because like before, okay. Because Queer Eye became uh, was before Love Simon, which is mm. a whole. We can talk about that. <laughs> yes, but, but like considering the fact this is a black queer film, you're seeing this um the lead like age from like a little kid to a teenager to a full adult, and because like. I really just saw something that was like, I've never seen this before. I mean, like, I've seen, like, I've seen some black coming-of-age stories, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen, like, a black queer kid coming-of-age in the South. And I was like, that's, that's a good, that's enough for me. And, like, I don't cry uh, when I watch many films, but, like, I cried. I was like, okay, you got me there, Barry. You got me. (laughs) He also did, um... And Beetle Street Talk. And Beetle Street, yeah. And, it's on my to do list. Yeah, that that's also a very that that I cried in that one. I don't cry often in films, and I cry I cried in that one. And that one's not even a gay a gay story. I just I just really loved it. Yeah, I yeah. James Baldwin wrote it, so it's written by a gay man. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why I was like including it. Yeah. See, yeah, because like my thing is, he wrote like the he adapted two screenplays written by gay men. Yeah. And Straight black men that do that and do it so passionately, yeah. I commend him for that because that's like that's beautiful. Because like you know, I mean, as a, being queer in the black community is a iffy, iffy, iffy topic, <laughs> and you and it's still iffy today, mm. even with these protests going on. Yeah, and just seeing this this man like blow blow my mind away with what he can do. With queer, like, I mean, I think that's just beautiful. Because, like, you know, some, most people wouldn't even do that. Yeah. And so, like, he's just like, I see it as literature. I see I see this as literature. I don't see it as, like, oh, this is written by a gay men or these have these featured queer characters. No, I see this as literature, and I'm going to write it, and I'm going to devote myself to this and make it correct and not try to readjust it. Because, like, I feel like... Personally, I feel like if any other black man tried to do that, they'd be like, nah, we're not going to make him queer. We're not going to have that. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. Uh, so we're going to change that. So I, I really love the fact about that. We can, we can go to Love, Simon and call you by your name now. Um, well, like, were, were there any, so were there any movies, like, within, like, 2005 to 2016 that you saw, like, that came up for you? Um, as far as queer films, okay, let's think. Yeah, because we. I was like, that's for me. Uh, that's from seven to seven to like seventeen from that time period. Um, yeah, seven to se- um during that time. Well, during that time for me personally, I watched uh, Queer as Folk. Yeah. Um, which I, I mean, most people hate. Most people hate Queer as Folk. I would, like for me personally. I I mean the, when I the, when I watched the last 
being Aquarius quote, that's when I decided to create Love Fish. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I was like, damn, there ain't nothing else out here. Um, also, Please Like, well, I don't think I watched, like, I don't think I saw a movie, but I think I saw a series. Like, Please Like Me, um, written by Josh Thomas. Hmm. Fucking love that. I, <laughs> I love that series so much. What's it called? Please Like Me? It's Please Like Me. It's Australian. You know one. what? That's what it is. It's Australian, mm. not American. Huh. <laughs> um, Did you watch Noah's Ark? Okay, I've heard of Noah's Ark. You never watched it. Okay. I, you gotta watch that. That's the only... That's okay. one of the only black gay... Shows we we got so far. We got notice, and then I w- okay. Look, I'm so look. I just watched Moonlight like three months yeah, ago. Sorry about <laughs> I feel that. But well, we can do a part two. Yeah, where you like watch, like, yeah, that was art and like discover other black um stuff because like I'm I'm desperately searching for good like good material. Because, like, for me, it's all about the story and it's about the acting. Um, yeah. But why, okay, so while we're in this this decade, I wanted to mention Glee, because um, that came out, like, 2009. Oh, Glee. Um, and that was a yeah. show that was, it, it, problematic. <laughs> pro, it was problematic, um, and that is sometimes what we have to just deal with, because it did have, you know, queer characters on there. Okay, the one reason I don't... Okay, so mm. I will forever... I do not like her. <laughs> people, people like to stand that uh, character, and I do not like her. Because I, I'm so tired. Because, like, I mean, by that time Glee premiered, I was in middle school. Mm. And I was already... Like, and my thing is, I've already seen so many... Like, I grew up watching late-night stuff. Like, I... I grew up watching all these. Who I grew up way too fast watching that stuff. Um, so I already consumed so much media about campy characters, and I was like, "Oh my god, here comes another gay white man who's in love with Barbara Streisand, who loves some Madonna." I'm just like, "Okay, who loves Britney?" Okay, good. I already seen that. I see that when I go to school. So I was like, I was like, oh. Oh my god, like I kinda like Blaine. I, 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 mean, I like I kinda Blaine. like Blaine. Um but granted I stopped watching after Corey died. So like um, I don't know how we ended. I, I mean watching after season four, episode two. I once I started doing the bottle trying to act, I was like, This is enough for me. Oh I think you stopped at a good time because season four is terrible. Season four through season four on is terrible, so it, you watch the first three seasons, you watch the whole thing. That's all you need to see. And it's like, uh, they, okay, they had so much, like, I mean, I, after the original cat, like, the originals went to, like, graduated, I was like, okay, this is good. Like, go go stop. And I was like, you can stop here. But then they, I think, then they had them, like, go off to college or whatever. And I was like, okay, um, I can't relate to that right now. I'm still in middle school. <laughs> Well, see, it's interesting. It's interesting for me because Glee was one of the was so I've seen Noah's Noah's Ark secretly in Breaking Bad, uh, not Breaking Bad, uh, 
Brokeback Mountain. And so Glee was like the one of the first queer shows that I was able to watch full out and the 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 characters were in high school and graduated around the same time that I graduated and stuff. And so like I was watching the show as the characters were growing and I felt like I was growing with them. Um so I really like I guess that's why it's special to me and that's why um I didn't see like Kurt as like oh my god another gay white man because like that was my first gay character I saw like on a grand scale um which is sad but yeah 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 uh I know okay what else premiered during that time um uh I would say also like um I saw earlier that you wrote uh Drag Race and I was like I <laughs> I used to, okay, look, I used to love, I mean, my thing is, I didn't like, I didn't watch Drag Race that much. Mm-hmm. My sister did, who's a straight black woman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't watch, I mean, I personally, because I, I don't know, I didn't watch it. I mean, I watched a little of it, but I didn't, I was not watching like, oh my God, I love, I want, love this season, that season. Yeah. No. Um, I watched it every, like, every time she watched it or every other time. So I, there's a lot of things that, like, I, I mean, I love watching drag when I go see a drag show at a bar or, like, at a club, but I don't care for drag media. I don't hmm. care for watching it on television. Hmm. No, I mean, that makes sense because, um, it's different. It's messier. And hmm. I would get into that later because when you, <laughs> I would get into that later. It's a lot messier because it. You're not just dealing, like, when you're watching on, like, television, you're not just dealing with the fact that, like, just watching drag, or you're dealing with the fact that, like, when you're watching it, like, you, as soon as you go on the internet, like, oh, you have a hundred thousand people talking about it, a hundred, and then, like, if you say one bad thing about a character, like, I wish they did something like this or whatever, you have them bashing you or whatever, which I can go into that, too. Another, we're gonna have to do that another episode. I'm just, I'm literally just like having, like, just turning your head with, like, damn, like, you know, that's another episode, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just for me, like, when I'm watching it, I like, down, like, at a bar, club, it's just like me enjoying it, me being in that atmosphere, like, I, I love being the atmosphere of, like, happening. I love the, comedy i love the drama of it i love how theatrical it is but once it gets to be on television it just gets messy because there's so many other people involved and also the competition hmm. i feel like what like when you're watching it in person it's not a competition they're building each other up they love each other they're like they're like we're family like it's it's they're a troop it's not like oh we're trying to win a hundred thousand dollars fuck you <laughs> Yeah, I I put it because that is another one of those shows that I snuck and watched um, right alongside Brokeback Mountain. Um, And I, yeah, I I don't know, like, a lot of my queer viewing experience until I went to college was just, like, finding stuff and watching it in secret. Um, And so, like, one of the directors that I, that was making movies uh, like around the 2010s 
um, Xavier Dolan. I watched a movie called I Killed My Mother, and it was he he it's in French, um, but he does English subtitles. Um, and that Subtitle. yeah, that one um really inspired me to uh just write myself and um yeah just i followed his kind of career and watched his films continuously and um yeah i don't know like i think i'm in a place now to where i want to revisit that time where i was watching these like queer things in secret because i felt like scared or ashamed um and I, like with Drag Race, I just picked back up watching the whole thing like seriously, um, and yeah, I just found a a love for it now. And I, which with your point with going to drag shows, like when I was at, I would actually go to drag shows. You know, like at what is it called, Quest and stuff. Um, Quest and um, our place and uh, Alice, yeah. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't understand it at all. And, um, but I think, I think now, like I'm, I am really craving to, especially now during the pandemic, I'm craving to like go see a drag show and like, you know, see local drag queens and support the local drag community. Um, it's all white here, but I, I maybe I'll find some, some queens that I like. I don't know. I mean, oh no, I, um, because uh, it featured in my documentary, Our Drag Queens, because we have like, we have seven hours of just nothing with drag queens. Yes. (laughs) Drag queen B-roll. And like, I've actually got, like, they actually talk, because like, I was actually dancing with them and talking to them. And it's interesting, like, that's the, that's the part I like. That's the more, it just doesn't seem for me as a storyteller because I don't I don't see myself as a filmmaker. I see myself as a storyteller because mm. I just want to tell stories. Yeah, it just seems more human to me. The human I love the human interaction. I love that they just feel more human to me than on television yeah. it's, or like or in media. Like okay, I lo- I mean don't get me wrong. I did love that beginning of like a Star's Born. When they had when they featured the drag queens, like I feel, I love that because it, it seemed it seemed authentic to me. Mm-hmm. But, once, but once it turns into like this co- whole competition, it's like it just feels like that's what a lot of queer media is. Mm. It, it's like it's always seems like it's always a competition to like oh like oh uh, I am like I want to be seen more than you or like I because it's it literally is a competition in like the entertainment business like oh i'm just trying to be more popular than you i'm trying to get more follows views streaming whatever it just seems like a competition and for me just to like see that human interaction it just takes me from that whole competition style of Mm. drag race it's just like they're actually humans they actually have full lives are interesting and they're like you can just grab a beer with them like i I, so part of me just feels like I can't get a beer with the girls on Drag Race. I'm just be like, oh no, you would probably at me. You'd probably be like, why the fuck you want a beer with me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about Call Me by Your Name. What did you like about it? I what like yeah, I didn't really care for it. See, look, 
Okay, I'm not going to lie. I've watched this movie, like, when I'm bored. Okay, so my roommate is a gay white man. Um, <laughs> <coughs> so is mine. And, uh, and, and, the sad thing about, uh, and the sad thing about it is I love the movie more than he does. Oh, wow. Maybe, yeah, it's, it's sad. Um, well, also, it's the it's thing of, like, I love the acting. Like, 
It was, it was, it was that night. It was, it didn't deserve the RA. So, but like, essentially, that's the one reason. I think that's the one reason I would not like. Um, I would not like uh, calling by your name. Yeah. The fact of. Well, okay, so. But I did like, I did enjoy hearing French, Italian, German, mainly because that's what what my roommate speaks. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Love Simon because we brought that up. Okay. What What are your thoughts on it? Okay. Um, I first watched I love I watched Love Simon. There's always a story about why how I relate to nonfiction. I watched <laughs> Love Simon the two days before we started filming nonfiction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I first watched it, I teared up a little bit because you know I was like, oh my god, you know, you see. Uh, they first, the first big studio gay film. Then I watched it again when we're doing when I filmed um, Animated Minds, and my whole mindset changed because I was like, "Damn, another white man!" It was like it was a, it was at first I was like I was just happy that like oh a spit a spit studio picked up this film and it's grossing, it's making money, it's made nearly a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's what I was happy for. And then I watched it the second time, and I was like, okay, the acting's good, blah, 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 blah. The story's okay. But then I re- made a realization, like, okay, it would have been more iconic to me. It would be more meaningful to me if it was a person of color. I mean, I know Blue was a person of color, but, like, but the only black, the black gay character was a campy character. And I, I don't, I'm so tired of just seeing these, like, stereotype gay characters. And they're always, I mean, most gay films you watch, even in little, okay, even in RuPaul's little um, AJ and the Queen, which I, we don't have to touch on that one, no. because I don't think anybody touched on that. <laughs> 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 I started. I started it. I have not like, finished it. It only seems like they only want gay black characters to play these stereotypes. That's yeah. why I love Moonlight because it was finally seeing oh a, a different kind of a gay black character doesn't have to play those stereotypes. Yeah. Doesn't have to be sassy. It, it's like watching G. Oh, GBL. I forgot about that. Oh, one. gay gay best friend. Hmm. Is it's get it's on net it was a Netflix movie, right? It was Or is it a show? Or something. No, uh GBF was like uh it was um it was on Hulu. It was I think it was on Netflix. Yeah, when I first watched it was like Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um and the problem with it is like I just saw all these campy gay characters. Yeah. And I'm just tired of gay men being always being preppy and happy and just loving Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Can't think of something else?
just tired of seeing tweets. It's just irritating. I mean, there's so many. If you want to be a progressive queer film, they cannot always be a lanky, five foot ten white man. They cannot always be a somewhat muscular, five foot ten black man. You can't always. they, you only get one type in media, and that's the thing about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, I mean, Moonlight, granted, like, he didn't fit the stereotype for a, a queer black man, so I, I was proud. So, I, I that was, like, the thing about Moonlight that I loved is the fact that he didn't fit that stereotype. I'm just tired of seeing... Like when people look at me, they're like, "Oh my God, he's definitely a bottom and he's a twink." But I'm like, "Huh, huh, huh." The more you know. Oh. <laughs> so um. it's like I'm just tired of seeing stereotypes because yeah. I think that's one thing. I think that's one reason that I think a lot of people, straight viewers, are turned off because I think they're also tired of seeing stereotypes. Because, hmm. like you know, in straight media, it's like they get to be whatever they want. And we won't judge them, but in gay media, they can—they're—they're they're only twinks, or they're really buff. It's that's it. You don't—you don't get that other representation, or if they are like represented as bears or otters, they just uh, most straight men will be like, oh my god, that's disgusting. Like once they find out that oh, people are the leather part and. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as people are not furries, which that's a whole nother story. Another episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to watch a furry film. I, I, I cannot. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not a furry film out there, but once there is, I, I'm not producing it. You know what? I might. Just, just, uh, just to say. <laughs> just, I produced a furry film. <laughs> so, oh, you, oh, you're writing it down. He's writing it down. Uh, Go ahead, go ahead, write the idea down. Produce a furry film, and I'm producing in like 2029 if we make that far. Um. Okay. Well. So. So. I guess what. Just to wrap this up, because we we've been talking about it, um, for a while. What. What are. What is some stuff that you're currently watching that you've currently like seen that's come out in the last two years that has some kind of queer representation or something and then if you haven't seen that like what are you hoping to see um let me just say i'm always behind on things okay (laughs) i'm always okay um what i recently watched is pain and glory with uh antonio banderas beautiful movie oh my god and when did that come out one thing I need people to do, okay, I'm really excited. My hands are like flying everywhere. <laughs> I love this movie so much because it's about this aging filmmaker, and he's just um, it's about this aging filmmaker who's from um, Madrid, and he's just talking and uh, just showcasing his life and what uh, inspired him and everything, and like uh, his former lover, and it's queer, but it's subtly queer, and you don't. And you don't, I mean, and I think that's the thing I loved about it. I feel like when people see a queer film, they expect it, they already had this 
pretty like they already had this expectation it's gonna be extremely queer like you're gonna see fucking and sucking <laughs> <laughs> like this film is not it like you only see like one gay kid and granted the homeboy went home I'm gonna spoil it a little bit homeboy was kind of cheating on his new partner oh. not gonna lie you know there's always some cheating mm. always a little bit some cheating but like I'm like just seeing that like you see this man as a normal human being and that's what we need to see we don't need to see like I said you don't need to see somebody so campy because that's not always going to be it like if you're especially if you're black some black like i mean not everybody that's black gets to live their full best like queer life until they're in their 20s yeah true i i mean true i feel like i can live my full best queer life Me well, too. I feel, well i feel like i can sometimes live it because also i feel like i still get comments from my mother saying no uh. you're doing too much <laughs> on the internet but like i feel like more, I, well, I can just say more of me gets to live my best life. Yeah. I don't think I still reach my full potential, but I feel like more of me gets to live my best life now than when I was a teenager. Yeah. And that's especially because, like, you cannot, people don't, I mean, black community don't, like, really like black queer people. And that's just a thing. That's our, that's one thing we have to focus on. And that's an internal issue that that doesn't involve anybody else. Yeah. I gotta say that. Oh. People need to stay out. And look, if your issue, if, if it involves your race, you and your race alone can solve that issue. It does not involve the Caucasians. It does not involve nobody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. If it's an internal black issue, let the internal black people handle it. And end quote. <laughs> This is this so, message was approved by Jalen Thompson. <laughs> because you know it's just a thing, and I just want to see more films that are just subtly like, yes, this character's gay, but that's not their whole personality. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I feel like being black is more important to me than being queer. Because like, I can walk on the street and first thing they notice, black men, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. black men right in front of me like unless they're like focusing on like what i dress or what i'm wearing or they're making assumptions about about me they're not gonna be like oh yeah he's definitely sucked some dick (laughs) (laughs) you're not they're gonna be like oh yeah Uh, they're gonna just be like black men so i think that's the one thing we gotta do to progress like in queer media i mean it's it's not all, I mean, like, I, that doesn't mean, like, I hate watching camp things. So some things I just want, sometimes I just want to watch something that's, like, a little, give me a little giggle. I don't want to watch something that's always serious, like, oh, my God. Like, when I was watching Marsha P. Johnson's documentary, I sobbed through that. And I was like, oh, my God, I was just sobbing yeah, because I was like, oh, I my God, that. this is so sad. Um, I don't need that. I will say, like, I guess for me, um... I've been trying to go back and watch things like watch stuff like watch stuff that I didn't know about. So Marlon Riggs is a black who is a black gay filmmaker from in the 90s, I believe. He did um uh like documentaries on black gay men and black the black community and stuff. Um, I don't want to say, black community and stuff. Anyway, 
he he did a lot of black movies um and i think what i like as i'm discovering other like black queer artists um another one's I, isaac julian um i find myself going back to watching their stuff and just trying to learn from it and most of it's documentary stuff so it's not anything that would have been mainstream but the fact that it has been like i guess hidden um makes me want to seek it out more um and then there's another thing i was going to say oh i i'm currently rewatching that's a raven and and it's like you know we can't necessarily say this was queer media but raven I, does she identify as lesbian now? Yes. So it's like, I'm pretty, do you think, and do you think she was already like trying to navigate her queer identity? Like, do you think she realized it while she was filming That's a Raven? And that's a, you know, what, what I really think on it is like, when do most, it, it's not just like a Raven thing, but just like a whole, child actor thing yeah it's like when do they realize like when do they realize they are queer because i did watch um Miley cyrus a uh, little uh inner instagram show for a little bit but i walk but i particularly watched like this one moment between her and Demi lovato and they were talking about when they realized they were queer and they were working on disney at like 14 wow. years old yeah and then i like i mean i haven't gone back and watched that so raven but like you like I want to rewatch the moments when she had to engage in intimacy with these men. Every episode, I I didn't realize it when I was watching it when I was little, but every episode she's always having, like she's always chasing after some guy or always being put in a situation with a guy. And it's like very forced. And I just wonder how it was having to portray this character knowing that you know you were queer and and didn't have these like those kind of desires so that's what i'm watching now just like thinking about i guess that's another episode <laughs> yeah yeah it is another episode so so far you you've got your way you got you got your way onto four more episodes on the podcast <laughs> You know, well, during coronavirus, I'm not doing much else. You know, I don't yeah. start school until August. Well, technically, I have summer class, but yeah, I'm just in school. Yeah, but like, I always free. <laughs> um, um, yeah. That I love, like that whole idea of like, you know, chasing when you're having to like. I mean, it feels like. I mean, when you really think on it, I can like reflect on that in my real life. It's like having to chase somebody that you don't want really want because that's what's socially acceptable mm. and because it, it i mean like and like i mean i really like thinking of that i probably need to watch well i need to get disney plus first so. or just find it online you can find find the episodes online i'm sure like on youtube somewhere most likely yeah to get some real in-depth like research on like I, mean, I feel like she probably had mentioned, probably mentioned an interview. Like, yeah, probably. Yeah, I should go watch that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... So, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking about, like, when I watch it. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, 
just, you know, with it, with me doing these pride theme episodes and just thinking about like, I guess, like how I've been influenced by media and like what shows I remember growing up watching. And, you know, I was, I was a queer kid growing up watching That's So Raven without even knowing that Raven was probably most likely queer herself even though she was playing a very like hetero like forced hetero se- um character yeah but also there's this thing about like when you're an actor mm. like you're always having to put on a face okay so like i mean like for me I don't know. For me, I kiss boys and girls. I mean, I don't care. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that anytime. So I, I, I just have that like mindset. Just like okay, cool, whatever mm. you want, I can do. Uh, so, but it's like I think it's like an actor, like because like but when you think about it, most queer, uh, most queer, in most queer films, like most of the actors are straight. Like uh, Nick Nick Robinson who played Simon, mm. straight. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Timmy, straight, Army Hammer, straight, yeah. you, uh, um, J. Hall, questionable. Mm-hmm. I'm a I mean, question mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> J. Hall, yeah, but he's straight, but he, I mean, he's played a lot of queer characters, yeah, but yeah. like, yeah. so I wonder if it's a thing, like, when you're acting, I mean, I feel like it's a different thing, because you know you're going to get a check at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As long as I get my check, I can kiss whatever person. I can kiss a donkey. <laughs> you know? So, that I mean, that's an interesting mindset. So I, I mean, also, you could probably interview actors who probably have. I yeah. Know, I know that could be a, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're going you gonna to give me, you're going to give you going to be my plug. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Let's close it out. Um, this okay. has been a great conversation. Um, I like to end the show with a segment called So Done. And basically, this is where we talk about what annoyed us for the week. So, Fred, what are you so done with this week? I am so done with Stan culture. Okay. Stan okay. Slash Gay men who been who idol female pop singers, rappers, whatever. I'm so done with them because the fact of they are minding their business, they are making their money. They're probably not paying attention to what you're saying, and y'all getting into these bees with each other for no reason. Like Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, they minding their business. They don't care what bubble. Like literally, if they had beef before. It's probably squash. They're pro- they're 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 living their best lives. Like they're not caring about what y'all saying on the internet. And the thing about it is, it irritates me so much because I don't know why y'all really feel the need. If your life, if you're so focused on the lives of other people, what are you doing with your own life personally? Because it feels like it's empty. If your life feels so empty, why are you focused on celebrities? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I love, I dabble in in some tabloids and be like, okay, oh, that's interesting, that's cute. But it's like, okay, that's nice, whatever, move on, move forward. But if you're getting in arguments with other pop fans or like fan culture, 
then you just really need some help. But that's not the only thing that's irritating me this week. I was also going to talk about TikTok because I hate how how they are famous for no reason. Uh Oh. But that's <laughs> that, you you want to go or I don't. You understand my like point about like yeah. Oh, why are y'all so agitated about like Nicki Minaj and Cardi B fans, especially like them, and then it's also Katy Perry fans and Lady Gaga fans. Yeah. And then I I don't understand why y'all are so irritated with each other. Let's it, buy their music. That's it. That's all you gotta do. Buy their music and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. What are you done with? Um, I don't know. Like, really, this week, this week, I've I've really been trying to stay off of social media for the very reason that you're you're annoyed, um, because of Stan culture. Um, I'm in jail right now, so you said what? For 15 more, it's been 30. I'm in Facebook. I was in this is the fifth time I've been in Facebook jail this year. Um, and this is time it luck put me in jail for 30 days, so I got 14 more days. What would you get sent in Facebook jail for? Quit talking about how I don't uh, write a white racist man. Look, I don't understand how that was rude. I just said, right, uh, white racist men are pieces of shit. And Zuck was like, I'm gonna send your ass to Facebook jail, and so that's why I downloaded Twitter. Wow. Everybody left and right. I called out Candace Owens earlier today. Yeah, Twitter is fun. Twitter is fun. Um, but yeah, I'm so I'm I'm I guess I'm so done with like social media in general. Just just like you get on, you scroll, and then you end up finding some bullshit about the world, and then you're like, okay, this ruined my whole mood. And so now I've just been really keeping it to social media uses to a minimum. I post things for the podcast and I might scroll and, and, and see one or two posts. And then I just close my phone and, and go to something else because, um, yeah, you can, you can really just, I think that's a, that's a, that's a self-care thing that I'm doing. Um, especially now because like, just with everything going like going on, everyone has an opinion about something. It seems like there's a new scandal every day, and it's just a lot. It's just a lot to deal with. So, yeah, I'm I'm done with social media. Like okay, we having protests. People are getting lynched today. Yes, and yeah. y'all worried about okay, this person okay. had three hundred more album sales than the next person. Why why is that? Why is that yeah. your biggest concern of life? Like there are, there okay. There's 40 million people who are unemployed at the moment. Like, mm. I feel like if you're also unemployed at the moment, why is this your biggest thing? Why are you worried about <laughs> somebody who has made over 200 million dollars within their life and they're they're just like chilling at home in Bel Air? Mm. I, I I don't understand the I don't understand the fact of that. Because yeah. this is a difficult time for everybody, but I feel like that's the least, that's one of the least things I would focus on. I would probably focus on, like, if that makes you happy, then, like, that's kind of, ooh, that sounds, it sounds rude as shit to be like, that's kind of sad. Well, I mean, it, it just probably is just, a di- it's a distraction, but I don't think it's a necessarily he- healthy distraction. It's problematic. Yeah. Well, all right, Fred. Um, I think we, we can end it there. 
Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about your work and about queer media. Um, and I just want to say, like, just listening to you talk about your projects and stuff, it's really, like, inspiring me to um, pick back up my creative hat um, and just start also creating. So I wanted to say thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I... I just think creating is a beautiful thing and if you can like I don't think anybody anybody cannot just create I feel like you have to have a certain mindset to create and I I mean I work with you so I definitely know you have the creative mindset to create so Um, I just say you know risk it do it yeah well, for, all right, Fred, thank you for coming on. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Go, go Black Boy Go. And you can follow Fred at. Okay. Where do you want to give them? Yeah. You can get that my. Uh, okay. My Instagram is um, Bowie.Fred. Dot L Bowie is spelled B O U I E and yeah, because most people get that wrong, or you can just look up Fred L Bowie and I'll probably be available. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna make sure to link your um other projects so people can check that out. And yeah, thank you for coming on, and thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Internal black people handle it. And, and quote. This is this so. message was approved by Jalen Thompson. <laughs>